This is Meditation Inspiration. I'm your host, Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Katie Austin, and this podcast is here to inspire you to either start a meditation practice or to keep one going. I've got real life stories from meditators from around the world to inspire you with your practice. I'm so happy to have you here. Okay, so hello everybody and welcome to today's episode. And I have the wonderful Kirsty here today um, and I'm going to let her give us a little introduction. So Kirsty, would you mind telling us um, where you are in the world and what pronouns you'd like to be referred to with and a little bit maybe about what you do in the world? Yep, of course. Um, so yes, I'm Kirsty, Kirsty Morgan, and my pronouns are she, her. I live in Leeds in England, um, and I'm a mindfulness teacher. So I teach the mindfulness-based stress reduction course. So um, alongside that, I'm also a chartered accountant, and it's mindfulness is something that's really helped me with the pressures that I felt in that finance related role and that I can bring that work stress related context into the courses that I teach. Very, very needed. I have no doubt about it. And um, yeah, we met. I was just when we, we always take a little pause before before we start speaking in these podcasts and I had and it just was popping up into my mind our first meeting while we were we were just pausing and it was um it was back last April in 2023 wasn't it and we were on a retreat together yeah and that was actually when I recorded the first two episodes of the podcast with Trish and um Becca Crane so yeah it's um so it feels quite um yeah quite lovely to to have you on the podcast now after meeting you there at the beginning of all of this um and then we saw each other again at the um the mindfulness festival in manchester yeah and Which we, I don't, yeah i think that was a, a coincidence wasn't it we just bumped yeah. into each other and then i was like oh, do you want to be on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a nice um, surprise considering the distance between us in terms of I our know. Uh, home locations to, to see you there it was lovely. Yeah, it was a great event, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Really, really great. Um and we've actually got someone someone one of the speakers from from that festival is gonna be on the next episode as well, which is exciting. Wow, that's good. Um so let's dive in. So I'd love to hear a bit more about how you were first inspired to practice mindfulness. Yes. Big question. So, <laughs> yeah, big question. Um, and I will take my time in answering it because it obviously was the point in which my life changed and uh, how I could relate to the things that were happening to me and to the people that I was with completely changed from that point. So um, it's a good question to start with. And I was introduced to mindfulness through work 
So at the time I worked for a housing association and they were delivering a mindfulness course through a wider management training course called Resilience Brilliance. Mm. So this training course covered 10 elements. Other elements included determination, self-efficacy, solution focused, and one of them was mindfulness. And to start with, um, you had to complete a questionnaire to understand your strengths in terms of each element. And whatever mm-hmm. you scored the lowest in was your first workshop as part of this management training program. And my lowest was mindfulness at the time. So this was back in September 2013. And um, it wasn't a surprise to me because I had qualified as a an accountant a couple of years previous to that in 2011. Um, it will be no surprise. That's quite an intensive period of time to study for your accountancy exams. I had two young children at primary school. I was working part-time. I was the, I'd just been promoted to the role of financial accountant and I struggled to be present for my children. And so I worked part-time to be able to pick them up from school and to be with them. That's why I worked part-time because I wanted to be present for them and actually I was there physically but mentally I was still in work usually and just lost in work thoughts and worries about you know have I done everything right or should I have done something differently should I have said something differently just all these ruminating thoughts and lots of planning thoughts and so when I was invited to do the management training program and realized my lowest score was mindfulness and googled it because I didn't know anything about it I was like, wow, (laughs) that is definitely something that I want to learn more about. And on the same questionnaire, I got the highest score was in determination. So I just thought, right, I'm going to put that to good use and I'm going to actually really learn about this and started to practice mindfulness in terms of a daily meditation practice straight away, just using um, guidance that I could find on the internet from John Kabat-Zinn or Mark Williams. I bought Mark Williams' book, the um, Mindfulness: Finding Peace in a Frantic World, and worked through that. And quite quickly started to notice that I was able to be present with my children, and that was the first um, change, I suppose. And that was quite quick, actually, that I started to develop the techniques to allow myself to become present mentally as well as physically um so yeah that's that was my introduction to mindfulness thank you that's um that's a beautiful thing and a beautiful intention to have um bringing mindfulness into your life to connect that mental connection with your children and and I'm sure there's so many people that can can resonate with that when you've had a busy day at work and especially in a new job and all the planning and the the thoughts and the have I done it right um I definitely I can definitely resonate with that and then that that kind of that desire to be present mentally as well as physically and actually being offered this 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 way (laughs) of cultivating that and and um yeah so powerful and um 
it's something I really I, I kind of contemplate a lot as someone who also you know runs our own business and has a job and I've got step step kids and got a baby on the way just you know how can we because we're not many of us who practice mindfulness are not living in a retreat center or or in a in a monastery as all these amazing amazing teachers are and it's just like I love it when I hear the power that this practice can have within the context of of a full life a full modern life as a working parent and yeah it's um it's beautiful to hear um how you use that determination as well yes I'm going to bring the <laughs> determination in because it does take a lot of determination to bring this into our lives doesn't it it does yeah and I think yeah. um with the determination it was really helpful to begin with to mm. commit to a daily practice it, it was it that was helped by noticing the difference that it actually made um and in over time I've had to I've had to I have learned to balance more that determination actually to tame mm-hmm. it slightly and to not strive around needing my mindfulness practice to be perfect or a certain way it's just opening to what's here um and without expecting expecting that to happen actually there's just a nice softening around that determination, which is quite liberating and freeing as well. So there's lots of things with mindfulness that's just, you know, they're like um, branches on a tree that suddenly you see in all these other benefits that you didn't expect when you began. Um, mm-hmm. But you now value um, in terms of the way that you approach life slightly differently. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for naming that the kind of the, the softening of the determination and, and yeah, seeing when it might be a, a, a certain kind of determination might be kind of actually holding us back a little bit and that, yeah, that striving and yeah. Um, yeah. And perfectionism. It's a big, yes. big one, isn't it? For yeah. so many of us. And yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder how, how was it, you know, to bring, kind of you know finding the time something that you know with I'm sure with your um, participants on your courses comes up all the time you know it's we don't have enough time to practice and um, especially if we've got families and jobs but even if we don't have you know families and every everyone seems these days many to have quite full lives so I wonder how it was for you. What helped? Um, obviously, the determination. Was there anything else that really helped you in those like early days to bring in the daily practice amidst all that life might have been demanding of you at that time? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I am naturally quite organised. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did, and it worked for me, and I know this doesn't work for everybody um, because of my experience, as you said, with participants on my course. And there's all sorts of ways that you can build that habit, that daily habit um, of the of the actual formal practice. But I just simply got up earlier. I just decided to set my alarm half an hour earlier than I would have done otherwise and use that time to just sit and, you know, 
as I said, my children were young. They were six and eight at the time. Um, and just, you know, creeping downstairs half an hour earlier and just sitting in the living room to meditate before the house woke up was just precious, actually. And it just worked for me. And I've always mm-hmm. um, practiced my meditation when I first wake up. And I like it because it sets the right intention for the day for me personally. So it's prioritizing my well-being at the start of the day instead of what I used to do was sort of waking up, dealing with the, the whatever the household needs and then rushing along into work, etc. And then the day just unravels in front of you. There's something mm-hmm. about for me practicing um first thing sets the right intention it's the right priority for me and I feel that that helps to ground me then more during the day there are occasions mm-hmm. where that hasn't happened so I tend to struggle a little bit more with my practice where my routine's thrown out so if I'm mm-hmm. on holiday or if the if it's you know when the children were younger, I mean the the sixteen and eighteen now, but when they were younger and it was school holidays, and suddenly everything's just a little bit different. So I'd have to be more intentional about then when today will I will I do my practice, um, mm-hmm. and um, maybe some of that practice might be on the go. Um, so bringing in some mindful yeah. walking as we're going somewhere instead, um, and different different options like that. But most of the time, I practice first thing in the morning. Thank you for sharing that. And and yeah, like you say, it is, it's it's such a personal thing. But yeah, I I mean, I personally also resonate with that. That first thing in the morning, I find really really helpful. But that doesn't mean it's for it's going to be that way for everyone, does it? But it's yeah. um, but yeah, it's helpful. I think to hear your reasons why that is helpful for you. And yeah, setting the tone for the day. And it doesn't always happen as well. It's so good to be honest about that, isn't it? That some days routine is, yeah, especially when on holiday, you'd think, you'd think in your mind that when you're on holiday, it's going to be so much easier because you've got more time. But for some reason, I always also find that, yeah, that, that really takes, yeah, it it seems like it doesn't happen in the morning, like like it usually would when you've got that routine in place um yeah so as kind of your so you I mean so you've been practicing for quite a number of years now and I I wonder in what ways and kind of you've mentioned your your practice a huge influence on your relationship with your children I wonder what in other in in what other ways your practice has had um, effects within your life. Mm. Oh, there's so many, so many ways that I've benefited from a mindfulness practice. The one that's come to mind first of all is uh, boundaries around work. So, left to my own devices. Um, particularly, I suppose, in lockdown when we couldn't go into an office, it would have been very easy for me to just work longer and longer hours and just Mm -hmm. try to get everything done. And this links to that perfectionist tendency that you touched on before, because that's definitely true for me. 
And mindfulness has helped me just have that awareness of how I'm relating to different parts parts of my day. So recognising, being aware at the end of the day that actually now I need to stop, actually. I need to um, disengage and have my evening, whatever that looks like. And when I have the, the urge to work longer or to just deal with that email or just finish that report, seeing that just for what it is and it's, you know, his perfectionism again and labelling that or um, having compassion towards myself. Yeah, it's really hard to stop right now when that's undone, but this is for you and, you know, take care of yourself and, you know, having the, it's helped me to have those boundaries um because of that because i've been able to actually stop work and have boundaries around my working hours and as i said before give me ways to be present at home for my family it's helped me to disengage from work when i'm not in work which then means when i return to work the next day i've got more energy i'm not mm-hmm. feeling as resentful about work because it's having this great big impact on me because it isn't anymore actually I can I can stop and return the next day feeling more refreshed um so it's helped with motivation when Mm -hmm. I'm in work during those working hours it's helped me to notice in work when something stressful is happening because I'm more in tune with my body so you know, my, my stress tends to be around work. That's why a lot of my conversations will be around work-related stress. Um, but I have more awareness of my body so that if I'm having a conversation with somebody or I'm about to go into a meeting or I've got an email from somebody and I'm responding to that in a way that's very stressful, then I can recognise that stress in my body now. And that's my warning Mm -hmm. sign. And so I can, um, I know how it feels. I know I get tension in my jaw, Mm -hmm. hunch my shoulders, feel a tightness in my chest. And all of those things were things that I didn't even notice before mindfulness. I would just be lost in the work, you know, hurriedly Mm -hmm. juggling so many things, trying to get everything done to the point that then you really suffer and you feel completely overwhelmed and like it's just everything's on top of you and it's hard to see the wood for the trees because I I just naturally now have this awareness in my body most of the time it's not a panacea there's sometimes where I'm completely um, still lost in 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 some things but uh, most of the time I've become aware of that of the sensations in my body and I can just check in and think what's happening you know how come Mm -hmm this is creating this level of stress and I can be curious about that and notice whether there's a story that I'm telling myself about the meeting I'm about to go into or the conversation that I'm having and it's a story that's not necessarily true and how do I know it's true well I can just you know be an observer around it and be curious and recognize that I'm telling myself some stories basically 
And so, but sometimes if I'm reacting with stress and I think, how come this is causing some stress in me? And I bring some curiosity to it and I notice actually it's because this is unreasonable. There's something unjust that, you know, I have to actually have quite a difficult conversation about this because I've got real clarity about the situation through be, through observing it and not just being reactive to it, then I can have those conversations that might be quite difficult from a place of calmness and clarity. And therefore they are better for everybody involved rather than emotionally just reacting to everything without mm-hmm. awareness. So it's helped me deal with quite difficult things and be more courageous as a result. I'm going to share a couple more. Yeah, that's easy. Just, yeah, explain it so clearly, the, like the detail of how yeah. this helps Yeah, in moment to moment daily life at work and how valuable it is just to be able to pause and feel your body and notice the stress mm-hmm. and what happens after that, you know, that, that switch from reactivity unconscious reactivity to conscious response and um yeah the 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 ripple effect of that in our lives and for the others we share our lives with I think is um is huge yeah Yeah. I agree I agree another um quite big impact it's had relates to a fear that I used to have Hmm. so I used to have a fear of public speaking oh wow and um where I worked so where I used to work that they used to ask the finance team along with all teams to give a an update on their on their performance, on, you know, results, whatever it is, at an all-staff meeting once a month. So different teams would take it in turns. Um, And I absolutely dreaded having to do Mm. that to the point that when I got pregnant with my son, I realised I would miss the presentation. I was so pleased. I was like, that was a proper (laughs) bonus of being pregnant during that period of time. Anyway, I returned from the maternity leave and for some reason it hadn't gone ahead and it was still going to happen. And I just thought, I can't do it. I just, like, it was such a stress to me. Anyway, it was pushed back and pushed back. And the day that I had my mindfulness workshop as part of the Resilience Brilliance training program, I had been asked that morning to do the next monthly meeting and give a presentation. And I'd replied to the email and just said, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. At one time, the chief executive of the organisation actually asked me, if I could give a finance update on something and I said no to them. So I knew sort of this was a career limiting move, but Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't do it. So in that first workshop um, on mindfulness, the person leading the workshop, a woman called Fiona York, um, asked us to share a thought that we were having about something and I'd literally just sent this email before going into the workshop so I told this story about I can't do a presentation and she said how 
I wasn't sort of dealing with the presentation itself by saying no. I was avoiding something by saying no and, and recognising that I had the thought that I couldn't do a presentation. So mm-hmm. we all had to write down a thought that we were having on a piece of paper. So I wrote down the thought, I can't do a presentation. And then we were asked to rewrite it with, I have the thought that I can't do a presentation. And then I have the thought that I can't do a presentation, but maybe I can. Or I can't do a presentation yet. Or things like that. So you could just start to see that this was just a thought. Now, I didn't come out of that workshop thinking, oh, I can do it at all. But what I did do is use the meditation practice and observing thoughts to really recognize that thoughts aren't thoughts are just thoughts, they're not fact. So that started to shift that my belief around that thought. Coupled with that, working through the Mark Williams um, Finding Peace in a Frantic World book. So this was all sort of self-taught at that point. Um, There was one particular meditation where you sit with something that's difficult and you bring to mind something that's difficult and you notice how you respond to it, like what physical sensations are there. So I was during this meditation bringing to mind doing a presentation and noticing how my body was reacting to it so instead of sort of avoiding those feelings of nervousness I I sat with them and saw them just for what they were for the sensations that I had in the body which again helped me to soften around them be curious about them coupled with the work that I was doing on noticing thoughts just as thoughts I started to think I'm going to I'm going to offer to do a presentation. So I offered to do a presentation on mindfulness. That was my first presentation that I did. Amazing. And I talked about this during it. And it and yeah, that was the that was the again, a massive change for me that actually it helped me to be more courageous. It helped me to sit with difficult sensations and not avoid them. And it helped me to see that thoughts were just thoughts. And and obviously since then, I've done all sorts of presentations and now teach mindfulness courses, which is not something I ever, ever would have thought that I would be able to do. So that's another benefit of mindfulness for me. Wow. That's incredible Um, how, yeah, that, that kind of change, switch from avoidance to to uh approach yeah i mean the fear of public speaking which is just isn't that one of the number one fears like or something like that that people have it's um and again just how um yeah you just explained that so clearly exactly how that that unfolded for you and again it's it's always what we talk about so much in mindfulness is this coming to our bodies and feeling what's here in the body what is actually here right now so we can see the stories playing out in our minds and the thoughts that aren't actually facts that feel so real when we're not really aware of them it's especially when they're just like when they're kind of happening a little bit in the background and they just yeah they can really rule our lives those thoughts um and and hold us back from you know so much and um yeah how you describe mindfulness helping you to develop courage in the face of the things that scared you 
Um, but yeah, oh. that, that around the thoughts for me, before I started to practice mindfulness, I had no awareness that thoughts could be observed, that thoughts would come and go, that you didn't have to react to all the thoughts you were having. To me, like, that's how I lived in my head. Like, mm-hmm. that is literally where my life happened. And whether that was worrying about something that had happened in the past or planning for the future, and I'm a big planner, naturally. So most of my thoughts are in the planning um, zone. But just no awareness of that. And I think that, for me, is probably the biggest difference with mindfulness is just seeing there's just so much choice you've got over the, you know, how you engage with your thoughts, um, whether thoughts are useful or whether they're just repetitive and they can just let them go or just ways of reconnecting back to the present moment where the thoughts don't leave the way, but actually you're noticing your surroundings, you're noticing the people you're with, like your children um, or the family or friends or work colleagues. You're actually there with them, listening mm-hmm. and seeing them with your senses, noticing your, your body and, and just not so lost in your head. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just to think that I could have lived a life my whole life, how I used to be completely lost um, in thoughts is a weirdly surreal thought now. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And um, yeah, I too, I'm a planner and noticing, (laughs) notice a lot of planning thoughts and, and how, yeah, but that's what, can be so challenging at first starting mindfulness practice can't it that we actually see all the thoughts that we didn't realize were there and we can think that's us doing it wrong but actually that's one of the most um, powerful things as you've so beautifully described of that is the practice Mm. seeing the wonderful um, wildness of our minds and what's going on in there and how that's impacting our emotions, our bodily sensations, our connection with others. Um, It's, um, yeah. Yeah, thank you for naming that. And I wonder what supports you um, as a as someone who's been practicing mindfulness for many years, what supports you to stay connected with that practice, to stay inspired and to keep practicing over the Um, years? I think to keep practicing because I know the difference it makes Mm -hmm. um, and I know it, it has to be a daily practice because if I stopped my formal meditation, for example, I think I'd be much more lost in my head again during the day. I think think my my formal meditation really supports me to be more aware during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mean that I have, you know, if ever I miss a day, I don't worry too much about that. I can still be present, but the thought of not having a meditation practice in future... I I would worry that I would just naturally just end up in my head again. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
so genuinely recognizing the benefits it brings um but also you know i i I know firsthand the benefits it brings to me (coughs) sorry um but what inspires me still is i like to listen to podcasts Mm-hmm. So just being inspired from podcasts. So I listen to the 10% Happier podcast quite a lot. Yeah, great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just hearing other people, often who are far more experienced in mindfulness than me, share some science behind it or share some findings or share some insight into how we might relate to the world. I can find really motivational and I love reading books about mindfulness Mm -hmm. so just things that support my practice I suppose and um to begin with I I really enjoyed reading a lot about the neuroscience and some of those the the scientific studies Mm -hmm. that really demonstrate the difference it can make so I think that supported my commitment for a long time um but there's but when yeah when I when I just read more or listen to podcasts um usually I can find something that's just really interesting around mindfulness so yeah I don't know is there is there any other anything else that's been inspiring for you or any other comments around I mean, I find it inspiring to connect with people like you, like, you know, other people who are passionate about mindfulness, Mm -hmm. you know, to the retreat for me, um, the retreat that I met you on and and the retreat I was on at the same venue a few months before that. And to just be in a room with people who share the same values and understand the importance of our practice and the difference it can make mm-hmm. you know I just find that connection really inspiring I just feel there's just yeah. such an authenticity and um it's just such a supportive network where people genuinely care about each other and just have yeah that that connection with them I find that inspiring um and likewise I find inspiring delivering the courses that I've delivered and being inspired from the people who have taken part in my courses and their openness and honesty mm-hmm. in sharing their experiences with each other. And actually, you know, we might lead those courses, might we? But but the group connection, the group support, the 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 learnings that people have from each other. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a part of, you know, I, I, yes. I can give so much. I can, I can explain particular teachings and I can guide meditations and inquiries into what people notice, but that shared learning and that shared experience is something that I'm touched by on every course that I deliver. Yeah. Um, and I find that motivational for my own personal practice as well. And, and just seeing that difference and really, um cements I suppose that belief in mindfulness making such a difference to people yeah 
you know, often learn just as much as we hope to to impart in, yeah. in when we when we guide courses for sure. Um, and have you got any anything any kind of workshops or any courses coming up that you'd like to share with us? Any um, ways we can find you? Yes, so I have a website which mm-hmm. is um, www.untangled-presence.com. So um, that's my little business, I suppose, I've set up is Untangled and that's what I um, use to deliver my mindfulness courses. I'm doing an in-person course just at the moment, but I also offer a monthly drop-in on the second Friday of every month um, from 2 till 3 p.m. and that's online. So there's details of that on my website and um, you can book a place on that through Eventbrite. But yeah, other than that, I've got um, planning on doing another eight-week course in the spring, whether that's online or in person again. So um, just Mm -hmm. watch this space that I deliver. Fab. And I'll put the link to your website um, in the show notes if you... um for an easy way to access that and yeah find out more about what Kirsty's up to in the future um thank you so much for your generosity with your your time and sharing your experiences and I hope that we see each other in person again soon somewhere in the mindfulness world most likely <laughs> um yes thanks so much Kirsty. it's okay thank you for asking me to come on it's been such a pleasure to talk to you likewise thanks okay thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of meditation inspiration if you enjoyed this episode i'd invite you to share it with your friends family and colleagues so they can benefit from these conversations too and if you would like to leave a review I'd love to hear your feedback or you could pop me a message and I can pass that on to our interviewees too and it also really helps if you pop a rating and and follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Um, it really helps to get the podcast found by more people out there Thanks so much for listening again and see you soon.